So we are, we are diving into um, angry psalms today in our scripture reading. And we're going to read uh, one of the most intense, Psalm 109. I would expect that this psalm has not been read in this church before. These psalms are vivid. They can be hard to hear. So I'm going to give you in advance just some ideas for how you might listen to this psalm. So first, I'm going to give the end of the psalm away. The psalm ends with the assertion that God stands with the poor, the oppressed, and the vulnerable. God stands with the poor is basically what it says. So as you listen to this psalm, you could stand there. Go stand with the poor in your imagination, the poor, the oppressed, and the vulnerable, and listen to the psalm from that place. So that's the first idea. Second idea, these angry psalms are very closely related to the psalms of lament. Remember back in Psalms 202, we talked about that, the psalms of lament that cry out. So you could stand or sit in that place and listen for the lament. So that's a second option. A third option, a third idea, and you can do any of these, all of these, or none of these, whatever, but just trying to give you some help is just to pay attention to what the psalm may stir up in you. Courtney's going to come and read Psalm 109. The choir's going to sing, Donan nobis pacem, give us peace to kind of give us a breath, and then we'll unpack all this together. Courtney? Our scripture this morning is Psalm 109. My God, whom I praise, do not remain silent. For people who are wicked and deceitful have opened their mouth against me. They have spoken against me with lying tongues. With words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me. But I am a person of prayer. They repay me evil for good and hatred. For my friendship. Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him be found guilty, and may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few. May another take his place in leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. May no one extend kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names blotted out from the next generation. May the iniquity of his father be remembered before our God. May the sin of his mother never be blotted out. May their sins always remain before God, that God may blot out their name from the earth. For he never thought of doing a kindness, but hounded to death the poor and the needy and the brokenhearted. He loved to pronounce a curse. May it come back on him. He found no pleasure in blessing. May it be far from him. 
He wore cursing as his garment. It entered into his body like water, into his bones like oil. May it be like a cloak wrapped about him, like a belt tied forever around him. May this be God's payment to my accusers, to those who speak evil of me. But you, sovereign God, help me for your name's sake. Out of the goodness of your love, deliver me. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. I fade away like an evening shadow. I am shaken off like a locust. My knees give way from fasting. My body is thin and gaunt. I am an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they shake their heads. Help me, my sovereign God. Save me according to your unfailing love. Let them know that it is your hand, that you, God, have done it. While they curse, may you bless. May those who attack me be put to shame, but may your servant rejoice. May my accusers be clothed with disgrace and wrapped in shame as in a cloak. With my mouth, I will greatly extol God. In the great throng of worshipers, I will praise God. For God stands at the right hand of the needy to save their lives from those who would condemn them. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God.
Please pray with me. Loving God, you are good and your steadfast love endures forever. You are with us in the whole of life, in the beauty and the harmony, in the discord and the strife. Be with us now as we draw near your word and hope to be transformed. Amen. What are we to do? What are we to do with these angry psalms? There is, of course, a clear and obvious option. We could ignore them. They are so angry and so violent, we could just not read them in church or at home or ever. We could just turn the page. That is basically what we do. As a default, you won't hear Psalm 109 read often in church, if ever. You won't find it in the three-year cycle of scriptures that are suggested for our Sunday morning worship. And when anger and violence do show up in the Psalms that are otherwise beautiful, God, you have searched me and you know me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, we stop reading before we get to the angry part or we just cut out those angry verses and stick to the prettier parts. There are reasons for that. The world is full of violence enough. Naming violence in a sacred space can feel like giving that violence a bit more life. Isn't this the space where, as other psalms tell us, we are to seek peace and pursue it? But there are also costs for doing that. For just ignoring the angry psalms and their violence, we have said that the psalms sing to and through the whole of life. In life, we know that it is not healthy to ignore a whole range of emotion, to silence it, to repress it. It's not likely healthy to ignore entirely the violence of the world. It's certainly not healthy or just to ignore the voices that cry out there. We do have another option when it comes to the angry psalms. We could carefully and thoughtfully together give them a listen. Or just one. In a season when we are immersing ourselves in the psalms, all the praise, all the lament, all the seeking, as we seek God in the whole of life, as we pray to God in the whole of life, we could not skip over the angry psalms, not skip over that part of life. We could together give the angry psalms a long, loving look and ask, where might we see God at work even here, the trouble is all too clear, but where is the grace even here? If we're going to do that, we probably should say some first things to ground ourselves. First, I should clarify, anger and violence are not the same thing. Anger is an emotion, a response. Violence is an action. They can show up in the same place. Violence can lead to anger, and violence can also be a reaction that flows from anger. One choice of many, but they are different. Anger is an emotion. Violence is an action. And we should say this. Scripture is full 
of violence. Let's not pretend. Our sacred texts tell the stories of humanity journeying through the whole of life, including violence. And not just the Old Testament, with its war and slavery and captivity, the New Testament has as one of its central events crucifixion. State-sanctioned violence goaded on by religious authorities. We do not and should not take that violence as normative, as the way the world should be, just because it's in the Psalms, just because it's in the Bible. We shouldn't borrow the violence of their world and import it into our own. We don't have to. Our world is violent enough on its own. We don't and shouldn't take the violence we find in Scripture as normative. We do, though, take it seriously. We take it seriously as a part of human experience then and now. We listen to our siblings long ago for what they experienced in their world and ask, where do we see something like that in our own? And ask, where, where is God at work in all that? In this morning's psalm, we can start by listening to the lament. Something horrible has happened. And the psalmist is crying out, Oh God, don't be silent. Wake up. Do you not see? Do you not hear? I'm under attack. The wolves are prowling. They attack me with lying tongues. Friends have betrayed me. Come help me. The harm is real. The psalmist is poor and needy, fading away like a shadow, the scorn of all who see them. They describe a world devoid of kindness, where cursing drowns out blessing. The lament is real. And then, out of that lament, the psalmist begins to rail, to rail against their in enemies, and the psalmist doesn't play. The psalmist shouts out what are called imprecations. There's our word for the day, imprecations, curses on their enemies. This psalm is one of a group of psalms that are called imprecatory psalms. Even out this world, O oh God, by bringing upon my enemy the same calamity they have brought on me. Accuse him like he has accused me. He loves to curse. He wears cursing like a garment. May those curses sink into his skin, into his bones. May his garment of cursing choke his life. He never even thought of extending a kindness. May no one extend kindness to him or to his children. He has reduced me to abject poverty. May creditors seize all he has. May his children be driven from their homes. He has drained me even of my life. May his days be few, his children fatherless, and his wife a widow. The imprecations are raw and intense. Now, before we evaluate, assess, or judge, let's pause for a moment and really listen and take the life of the psalmist seriously. Think of the people taken into exile into Babylon. Their city burned to the ground. We know from the news what that looks like. 
their children enslaved, their tormentors taunt them, asking them to sing songs of a homeland that now lies in rubble and ash. Or maybe think of the people of Ukraine for the past two years. As Russian bombs pound their city, one parent flees with the children to keep them safe, now living as refugees, as the other parent stays behind to resist. Elders hiding in the crumbling buildings killed by random and not-so-random bullets and bombs. Think of mothers and fathers at our own border a few years ago, separated from their children by the government, parents to one detention camp, children to another, some of them who are not yet reunited. Think back to Juneteenth of the folks who lived in slavery watching their children sold away, beaten and killed and the generations that have followed suffering again and again from the latest iteration of American systemic racism. The psalmist cries out, may the things they have done to us now fall on them. May their children experience what ours have endured. May their loss be as deep and as painful as ours. May they know what this injustice feels like in their bones. We know what it feels like in ours. Let them feel it in theirs. It is not pretty. But if we skip over and ignore these angry psalms, we may miss the depth of lament. These psalms point us to the depth of human suffering in the world, and they stir us up. They also bring us into that fraught moment where anger can so easily spill over into more violence. They put put before us and point us to our own, our own propensity for violence. Now let's zoom out a bit. I've been talking about anger writ large, but let's think for a bit about everyday anger. Anywhere that these psalms might touch us in our everyday lives. The Transition Support Group recently finished reading Brene Brown's latest book, Atlas of the Heart, Mapping Connection in the Language of Human Experience, in which she encourages us to think more deeply and more specifically across the whole range of human emotion and then to drill down. Summarizing what researchers have found in their studies of anger, Brown describes anger as an emotion we feel when an expectation is thwarted, when we believe there's a violation of the way things should be. Anger is tricky. It can mask an underlying emotion more difficult to name. It might be connected to outrage at injustice, but it's just as likely that it might be more about fear or shame or grief or jealousy or frustration. Anger is what Brown calls an action emotion. It makes us want to do something both when we feel it and when we are on the receiving end of it. And it's powerful. It can hijack our nervous system, our thoughts, and our behavior. Brown calls anger an indicator emotion. It's like the indicator light in the car that comes on 
and tells us to pull over and check things out. It is a catalyst. Holding on to it will make us exhausted and sick. Unchecked, it can fester and calcify into contempt, disgust, and dehumanization, and it can spill over into violence. Anger and violence aren't the same thing. But it's all too easy for one to tumble over into the other. As one writer says, the trouble isn't that the potential for violence is in the Psalms, but rather that it's there in us. Here in us. Anger can alert us to that perilous possibility. And so we pull over. We create space for all this to be voiced and brought into awareness and hope that out in the open and understood, we can transform it into something life-giving like courage, love, change, compassion, justice. Psalm 109 brings us into that fraught moment when any of that is possible. That moment where the cycle of violence might just churn on or not. That moment where we are stirred and we ask, what shall we do? And look at what the psalmist does. It's almost as startling to me as the psalmist's imprecations. In the middle of their raging, the psalmist stops. Stops. And says this, But you, O God, but you, O God, my sovereign, out of your goodness and your steadfast love, deliver me. The psalm points us to the deep lament, points us to our propensity for violence, and then stops and points us to God. And not just to God, to the goodness of God. The psalmist rages, stops. But you, O oh God, but you, O oh God, my sovereign, out of your goodness and your steadfast love, deliver me. Let me say what this is not. This is not glossing over either our anger or our violence. All that is now out in the open. It's laid bare, still ringing in the air. What this is, is one option, one choice to turn. To turn to God, but not just to God, to the goodness of God. And the goodness of God is not abstract. It is as visceral as all that has come before in this psalm, perhaps best seen in that final verse. God, in God's goodness and steadfast love, God stands with the poor, the vulnerable, and the oppressed. 
in, this fraught, in the fraught peril of this moment, as anger seethes and violence lurks, the psalmist turns to the one thing they know to be true. This is what the psalms sing again and again in the depths and in the heights, in slavery and freedom, exile and return, and in every moment in between, God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. The psalmist has made their complaint and now holds all that before God with open hands. You sort this out, God. Even me. The psalmist takes and gives us the breath we need. The breath we need to be aware of and honest about our anger and to say it plain. To pause and think deeply what else might be going on to voice our pain and to listen to the pain of others, to consider and to check our power to hold all that and to turn from the anger, from the potential for violence toward the steady goodness of God ready to be transformed. We go stand where God stands. We go and stand with the poor, the vulnerable, and the oppressed. We step out of our places of power and privilege and entitlement, and we go and stand there. We take our anger there. We take our potential for violence there. We take our experience of other people's anger and other people's violence there, and we let God sort us out to deliver us from everything that does us harm and from every way that we do harm. As the Psalms journey with us through the whole of life, when we get to these angry Psalms, the imprecatory Psalms, we don't have to just turn the page. That's always a choice. But we also can stop and pause and listen there. Even there in that part of life, we can look there for true things. As those psalms point us to the deep pain in the world, as they point us to the peril of our propensity for violence, as they point us through all that to seek the goodness of God. God who is always standing there in the place of deepest need, willing the world toward healing, toward justice, toward peace. Give thanks to God, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever.